Hello everyone, welcome back to the Legends of Brittany and Druidic Magic. Let's get into it. The more ancient sorcerers of Brittany deserve a word of notice. Magic among the Celtic peoples in olden times was so clearly identified with Druidism that its origin may be said to have been Druidic. Whether Druidism was of Celtic origin however, is a question upon which much discussion has taken place. Some authorities, among them Rice, believing it to have been of non-Celtic and even non-Aryan origin, and holding that the earliest non-Aryan or so-called Iberian people of Britain introduced the Druidic religion to the immigrant Celts. An argument advanced in favour of this theory, and this is that the um, continental Celts sent their neophyte Druid priests to Britain to undergo special training at the hands of the British Druids, and that this island seems to have been regarded as the headquarters of the cult. The people of Cisalpine Gaul, for instance, had no Druidic priesthood. Caesar has told us that the um, Gaudrudic seminaries were very numerous and that within their walls severe study and discipline were entailed upon the neophytes whose principal business was to commit to memory countless verses enshrining Druidic knowledge and tradition. That this instruction was astrological and magical, we have the fullest proof. The Druids were magi, as they were priests, in the same sense that the American Indian shaman is both magus and priest. That is, they were medicine men on a higher scale, and had reached a loftier stage of Transcend, it's like being, um, it says transcensual, but it means transcendent um, knowledge. It means a higher spiritual knowledge is what it means. I think that's another spelling mistake or something. Than the priest magicians of more barbarous races. Thus, there may be said to be a link between the barbarian shaman and the mages of medieval times. Many of their practices were purely shamanistic, while others more closely resembled medieval magical rite. But they were not the only magicians of the Celts, for frequently among the people we find magic power the possession of women and of the poetic craft. The magic of Druidism had many points of comparison with most magical systems, and perhaps approximated more to that black magic which desires power from the sake of power alone, than to any transcendental type. Thus it included the power to render the magician invisible, to change his bodily shape, to produce an enchanted sleep, to induce lunacy, and to inflict death from afar. The arts of rainmaking, bringing down fire from heaven, causing mist, snowstorms, floods were also claimed for the druids. 
Many of the spells probably in use among them survived until a comparatively late period and are still employed in some remote Celtic localities, the names of saints being substituted for those of Celtic deities. Certain primitive ritual, too, is still carried out in the vicinity of some megalithic structures of Celtic areas, as at Dungiven in Ireland, where pilgrims wash before a great stone in the River Row and then walk around it, and in many parts of Brittany. In pronouncing incantations, the usual method employed was to stand upon one leg and to point with the forefinger to the person or object on which the spell was to be laid, at the same time closing one eye, as if to concentrate the force of the entire personality upon that which was to be placed under ban. A manuscript possessed by the monastery of St. Gall, um, dating from the 8th and 9th century, includes magical formulas for the preservation of butter and the healing of certain diseases in the name of the Irish god. Very interesting indeed. These and others bear a close resemblance to Babylonian and Etruscan spells, and thus go to strengthen the hypotheses often put forward with more or less plausibility that Druidism had an Eastern origin. At all magical rites, spells were uttered. Druids often accompanied an army to assist by their magical arts in confounding the enemy. There is some proof that in Celtic areas, survivors of a Druidic priesthood have descended to our own time in more or less debased condition. Thus, the existence of guardians and keepers of wells said to possess magical properties, and the fact that in certain families, magical spells and formulas are handed down from one generation to another, are so many proofs of the survival of Druidic tradition, however feeble it may seem. Females are generally the conservators of these mysteries, and that there were Druid priestesses is fairly fairly certain i mean if there's men there's going to be female the sea snakes egg or adder's stone which is so frequently alluded to in druidic magical tales otherwise called glen nedir was said to have been formed about midsummer by the assemblage of snakes a bubble formed on the head of one of them and was blown by others down the whole length of its back and then, hardening, became a crystal ring. It was used as one of the insignia of the Archdruid, and was supposed to assist in augury. The herb duh, or golden herb, was a medicinal plant, which, in favour among the Breton peasantry, it is a Salago or Pliny, which is druidic, in druidic times, it was gathered within the utmost veneration by a hand enveloped with a garment once worn by a sacred person. The owner of the hand was arrayed in white, with bare feet washed in pure water. In after times the plant was thought 
to shine from a distance like gold, and to give those who trodden it power of understanding the language of dogs, wolves, and birds. These with the mistletoe, the favourite druidic plant, the sorcerer is entreated in an old ballad to lay aside, to seek no more for vain enchantments, but remember that he is Christian. And when we come back, that's what we're going to get onto. The Abelard and Heloise. Interesting, obviously. I I find anything like this interesting because every, well, not everything, but most of what I know was passed from generation to generation in my family. Um, so I always find anything to do with ancient magic very interesting indeed and I have so much so many books on that kind of stuff that it does interest me anyway when we come back that's what we're going to do we're going to touch on the story of love let's say by Abelard and Heloise and see what happens there thank you for listening to this episode and many blessings